Strategist Cowboy. Today I am going to review two low ABV sour ale fruit beers. One from Denver, Colorado in the US and one from Eslevskania here in Sweden, brewed by an Irishman. This week's two beers are in review order. The Sour Rosé and Magic Macaw Sour Ale. Let's get ready to rumble! Our first contestant for this week is the Sour Rosé, a fruited sour ale from the brewery Crooked Stay Brewing in the city of Denver, Colorado, USA. It is clear that Colorado has got its share of high-class breweries. Last week, we had a beer assortment from a rural brewery in Colorado, too, up for review. And it was a really good beer. I have a feeling that this beer, too, is going to be great. A quote. Crooked stave is a play on the word stave. One of many strong wooden slats collectively bound together by metal hoops to shape a wooden barrel, end quote, it says on their website. It is a really professional website they've got there. One thing, the Sour Rosé can of beer that I purchased doesn't have the same design as the Sour Rosé can on their website. And another thing, my Sour Rosé has a 4.5% ABV level, while the Sour Rosé on their website has a 4% ABV level. This is not all that important. Other factors are much more important than the difference in ABV level by 0.5%. Really, I have tried several very low ABV beers between 3 and 4% that are tremendously better and even more full-bodied than many normal to really high ABV beers. And really, sir, wouldn't you prefer a really good beer without getting hammered? I like the buzzing feeling that comes from drinking a good beer or two, but I don't want to get drowsy from drinking too much, because I really dislike that. Too much is not very much. We Swedes call that perfect state of intoxication level Salongsbrusad. A rough translation, translation would be Saloon inebriated or Saloon tipsy. 
meaning you are still socially agreeable and conversational and can easily walk a straight line. If you think about it, not being able to walk a straight line doesn't require much alcohol intake at all. The ingredients in the sour rosé beer assortment are water, ballymont, blueberries, raspberries, hops and yeast. I could find very little, if any, correct information about this beer assortment on the Crooked Staves Brewery's website. This beer assortment is fermented in oak barrels. I know that. The best before date on this particular beer is difficult to ascertain because of a tiny and fuzzy date conveniently stamped on the circular edge on the bottom of the can. But it is the year 2023 and the exact day is the 18th. That much is clear. I purchased this beer in mid-October 2022. It has been standing in my cooler since. The Sour Rosé Ale assortment comes in a size 35.5 centiliters, i.e. 12 liquid ounces can. Again, that is an American size can. The can is mainly pink in different nuances and white and there is some bluish or grey colour in it too, and it is a very clean design on the can. It looks like if the can is depicting a sunrise over a mountainous desert milieu with a crooked river floating by. You can't see it because it's a podcast radio, but I tap my nose. The Sour Rosé beer assortment cost me 31 Swedish kronor, i.e. 2 US dollars and 93 cents in October 2022. But when I checked the price at Sustainblogget's website just this day, other day, it cost only 17 Swedish kronor. What's up with that? A nearly expiring best before date, maybe? Or a rest product, perhaps? Except Systemblogget's website is a national website. But 17 kronor is 1 US dollar and 60 cents. That is 53 cents per 4 ounces of beer. It should be impossible to make a profit with a low, low price tag like that for a beer hauled all the way from Denver in the US Midwest to Europe and Sweden. Systembolaget says that the preferred serving temperature on this beer is 6 to 8 degrees Celsius, i.e. about 43 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit. Isn't that a bit odd for an ale? That is the preferred serving temperature for Mexican cervezas, and they are all bad lager beers, I dare say. But it is a fruit beer. The brewery's website says nothing about the preferred serving temperatures. 
The Sour Rosé beer assortment has got a 4.5% ABV. 4.5%. How about the experience then? Blueberry raspberry aroma, I think, and it should be, because it's in it, but, uh, so I have some help. Sour aroma, it's, 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 it, it uh, smells sour, and the color on this beer is yellowish, Orangey, got a one finger tall head. About mm. Mm. it's clear in color, at least so far. I poured up most of the beer, but the, the bottom in. Um, in this uh, rosé bottle, uh, I mean uh, can, the bottom is still there, and the beer in the bottom is still there, so it might might be let's pour it up. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit more um, cloudy, so it's a it's cloudy if you pour up the whole beer. Actually, very cloudy, and bloody almost in color now. Or am I? Seeing it wrong. Yes, I am. It's uh, it's raspberry colored, light raspberry colored red. The fir my first impression is um, it's a sour beer. It's a really sour beer. And it's fairly rich. I mean, 4.5%, so uh, I'd say that it's rich. It's not bread-like. It's not yeasty. It's not malty. Taste my palate, sour, really sour. Sour, um, those flat, yellow, soury, sugary caramels uh, shaped like a, a uh, what's it called? Ah, uh, uh, shit. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll come, I, I found it. I, I'll, it'll come to me. Uh, it's, um, 
what I thought about was not orange, lemon, lemon. It tastes like lemon on my palate. Because it's really sour. It's not very sweet. It's more dry than sweet, definitely. It's not bitter. It's not that kind of beer. And I don't sense any hope in it. Well, maybe there, there, there is some hope in it. Yeah, it could be, but it's very sour, so it's difficult to set to tell. Uh, it's candy-like in that regard. But not sweet, so it's not sweet candy. So maybe not candy, like. But it's fruity. Very much lemon-like. But it's, there's no lemon in it, but that's what it tastes like. There's uh, also a hint of raspberry. The blueberry I don't taste very much. Uh, perhaps a little bit, but it mixed together with the raspberries. So it's difficult to say, but the raspberry taste is more prevalent than the blueberry taste anyway. Spices, well. There could be. Uh, I think they said there was some spice in it. Let's see here. It's not very much. Mm. No, doesn't say anything about that. Mm. Mm. Well, the undertone is uh, the undertone definitely is uh, raspberry. The Lemon taste is more prevalent and takes over the whole flavor. Carbonation level, I don't know yet. I don't think it's very high. It's not creamy, of course. It's not acidic. It's sour, but not acidic. And uh, There are no aberrations. What there should be in there accordingly. I mean, what's in it is in it. So no aberrations. And if, of course, it's not dark roasted. It's. Uh, I think it's unfiltered to to a great extent, or to a big, large extent. Extent. And it is cloudy, so let's see here. Uh,
I wouldn't say straw-like. No, that's about it. Okay, what about grading then? This is a good beer. It is. A little bit odd, or but it's got character, most of all. And uh, I like that in beers nowadays. Nowadays. So, uh, very sour. I agree, this beer. Eight devils out of ten possible. That's how many devils I graded. I gave it. Okay. Let's move on to our next contestant. Our second contestant this week is the beer assortment Magic Macaw, a low ABV sour fruit A from the brewery, the Uncharted Brewing Company in Eslöv, Scania, Sweden, some 15 minutes by train from my small city of Lund. The brewery is run by an Irishman. The beer assortment contains water, malted barley, wheat malt, mango, passion fruit, hops, and yeast. And it says, Grains of Paradise 2, whatever that means. The hop is of the sort Hercules, Freudian. He is an Irishman after all. The best before date on this particular beer can is mid-April 2023. I purchased this beer in mid-October 2022. It has been standing in my cooler since. At present date, it is early March 2023. The can contains 33 centiliters, i.e. about 11 liquid ounces. The can depicts a macaw parrot. The macaw is sitting on a tree branch between other trees with large orange colored fruits at the end of the branches. So perhaps grains of paradise has got something to do with the macaw being in the Garden of Eden. All of these Irishman's beer assortments have got quirky two-word names associating with different animals. This ale costs 34 Swedish kronor i.e. about three US dollars and 20 cents. That is one dollar and 16 cents per four ounces of beer. The preferred serving temperature for the Magic Macaw Ale is, according to Sustain Blog, six to eight degrees Celsius, i.e. about 43 to 46 degrees Fahrenheit. The brewery says likewise about preferred serving temperatures. But it is a fruit beer, 
And now I guess that this is a standard temperature span for a fruit beer, even though I have tried other fruity beers with other preferred temperature spans. The Magic Macaw Sour Ale assortment has got a 4.5% ABV. 4.5%. How about the experience then? One moment. Yes, it's still recording. A little bit more yeasty aroma actually, and not so sour. Aroma. Okay, this one has got a, a two and a half fingers tall head. And it's uh, cloudy, yellow in color. My first impression. The first impression is, uh, well, uh, not so sour as the former beer, but uh, uh, well, maybe it is. It's got some um, yeastiness to it. Uh, so I guess it's not filtered. This one is even richer than the former beer. My first impression is that this beer is a good beer. It too sticks out, makes an impression. It's uh, not bread-like, I wouldn't say that it is. So no. Uh, but yeasty and uh, perhaps malty even. Mm. Taste of my palate is uh, lemon taste. Uh, yeah. I think mostly lemon taste. It's uh, not very sweet at all. It's dry. It's uh, not very bitter. More sour. Not bitter and uh, let's see here if there is uh, 
I'm gonna get some help here. Uh, yes, there is hop in it, or hops in it. But I don't send. I don't sense wheat malt, which should be in it. But maybe it's not too much of it. Just a little bit. A touch of it. Yeah. And definitely passion fruit taste. But uh, no other thing, I think. Uh, it's uh, sour. My taste of my palate is sour. It's dry. It's not very bitter. And it's not very well. It's got some hop, perhaps, but not much. I think, at least not that I can sense. And it's uh, not candy-like exactly, since it's got this uh, yeasty taste, uh, flavor, or even. Excuse me. But it's fruity. There may be some spices in it too. It's got a spicy undertone. Carbonation level. Uh, probably not very high. It's not creamy, of course. It's not acidic. And there are no no aberrations. It's not filter, I guess. So, hmm. what do I grade this beer? What about grading then? Um, is it straw-like also? I don't know. I don't think uh, you can say that uh, this type of beer, sour beer, can be straw-like exactly. I don't think so. But I have some... Uh, in my template there. Mango. But uh, I don't uh, discern it from the other tastes. So it's just a blur, uh, actually. Not in a bad way. It, I mean, it's a liquid. Beer is a liquid. 
and liquids mix. What about grading then? Um, I grade this beer even better than the former beer. I'd say nine devils out of ten, out, out of ten possible because it's got uh, more tastes than just lemon, more flavors coming uh, through. Yeah, so nine devils out of ten possible. It's an interesting beer and uh, absolutely a good one, definitely. He's, he's got an eye for brewing, brewing, this Irishman. Uh, okay, absolutely don't drink and operate heavy machines, military or civilian. Drink responsibly or not at all. Don't drink at all if you're underaged or pregnant. The more women oppressing a country is, the worse it will fend for itself. That is Roger's law. This week's lesson I call A10 Thunderbolt 2 The Warthog. The Fairchild Republic A10 Thunderbolt 2. It's a single-seat attack aircraft, originally manufactured in the 1970s by American Fairchild Industries. It is the most durable attack aircraft ever built. The type is designed to combat tanks and other armored vehicles, as well as provide air support for ground troops. The Warthog can circle in standby, not far from the combat zone, to engage enemy targets on the ground by radio call. The Warthog was the first aircraft specifically designed for a support role. The aircraft is powered by two dual-stream engines, or turbofans mounted at the rear of the plane. Its range is a modest 400 kilometers with a full tank. Maximum speed 704 kilometers per hour. It can carry 7,200 kilograms of bombs. The aircraft is armed with a GAO-8 Avenger automatic cannon that weighs 1,200 kilograms and is 6 meters long. That's 16% of the aircraft's empty weight. The fire tube alone is 2.3 meters long and weighs 281 kilograms. The GAO-8A normally carries 1,174 shells 
and 50 of these 30 millimeter shells are emptied in one second. It has two types of live grenades, armor-piercing grenades and explosive grenades. The armor penetration of the armor-piercing shells is 69 millimeters at a distance of 500 meters and 38 millimeters at a distance of 1,000 meters. Each shell weighs half a kilogram. Among other types of armament for the Warthog, one finds the AGM-65 Maverick, whose relatively good range reduces the risks from enemy anti-aircraft fire. It can also carry dumb unguided bombs, laser-guided bombs, rockets, AIM-9 Sidewinder fighter plane missiles for protection against enemy fighters and jammers that provide electronic protection against radar and various air defense systems. To more quickly localize heavy targets, the Warthog has a paved penny pod that searches for laser radiation reflected from any target illuminated from another aircraft at a higher altitude or from a unit on the ground. The Warthog flies towards the target at a very low altitude. By the mid-1980s, around 160 of them were modified. A-10A to a, I mean to OA-10A. These aircraft can also be used for forward air control, FAC. In other words, they can guide other aircrafts against targets in the combat area. OA-10A therefore carries so-called Hydra rocket pods that emit white phosphorus smoke and thus mark targets for other aircrafts and helicopters. When Operation Desert Storm began on January 16, 1991, the aircraft flew a variety of missions and became the most effective aircraft type during the fighting. The A-10 knocked out over 900 tanks 2,000 vehicles and 1,200 artillery pieces, plus two helicopters with a 30mm autocannon. A total of four A-10s were lost, all hit by anti-aircraft missiles. Another four made it home with injuries so severe that it was not worth repairing them. The A-10 was equally successful during the 2003 Iraq war. The aircraft type carried out 32% of the air sorties with the loss of just one plane. Suppose now that the US would suddenly realize that it cannot accomplish sanctions 
against an EU country like Sweden for telling the world in advance that the US, together with the UK and Israel, is out to start a war against Iran and Iran's proxies in Syria, while containing China in the South China Sea. In the best of possible worlds, of course. We could then face an actual kinetic attack in order to subdue us. Even though cutting us off from international communication and bank system under false pretext is more likely. And by the way, that is a super reason for the EU to run our own internet or otherwise as any EU country risk individual capricious sanctions. The US would deny that it could happen, but you know, the Roman Empire and all that. It seems like the new Roman Empire started a while ago. Pax Americana is all present, and we know to what price Pax Romana came for certain European countries, like the UK for instance. But what if? What could, we, what could we do against the Warthog? As an anti-aircraft defense against the Warthog, we currently have to rely more on the RBS-70 with signature adapted camouflage, because the IRIS-TSL batteries should not generally be deployed forward towards the west coast. Since the Warthog can be refueled in the air. If necessary, the aircraft can be rebased relatively quickly from the US to the UK. The Warthog's Russian equivalent is the Sukhoi Su-25. Let me just say that I think that it is a good thing if China plummet into the Dark Ages and that I think that it is a good thing if Iran emerge from the Dark Ages. But not if the price is our destruction by Russian forces and slash or others. And let me just add that I have no plans for the United States destruction. And I wouldn't have to have any plans for the US destruction if I wanted to see their destruction. But the US administration has sinister plans for our destruction, and albeit it wasn't time for it, so did former administrations back to and including at least Barack Obama. There are many ways to destroy a country. Well, howdy doody, how was it possible that Obama could make such plans? He was a soft lefty, you might say. Yes, he was a lefty, but the notion of the soft liberal is wrong. Look at FDR and JFK, and Obama who made a war speech on the Nobel Peace Prize ceremony in Oslo, completely flabbergasting to some. It is not going to happen on my watch, Biden, Trump, or whomever becomes president 2024. And the source for much of this lesson is Richard Aarhus from the magazine 
military history. But I suspect he got his, his information from open Britain sources. Thank you and see you later, alligator, at a while, crocodile.